Welcome to the Give a Different Podcast. My guest today is Paul Dietzel. Paul is the founder and CEO of Antidote. In this episode, we talk about a bunch of things, including the future of donations, accepting and making payments in Bitcoin. But not only that, what would it look like for the nonprofit that accepts a credit card payment to actually convert that to Bitcoin? And what would be the benefits? We discuss why running a Bitcoin node is beneficial. And how do you explain blockchain to a five-year-old? That's cool. cool. Look, I see the Christmas tree and everything there. Yeah. Nice. yeah you can't see it's blurred out. I've got my actually my block clock right here. Oh, block tracking clock. The, yeah, tracking the price of Bitcoin back there. Oh, that's legit. Oh, that's cool. So it's like <laughs> somehow hooked up to the internet? Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think uh, where that where I saw that originally. Um, I think it's like, yeah, it's made by coin, coin kite, the same uh, company that does, uh, the same that company does, that's sponsoring your head right now. Yeah, exactly. Right now. Yeah. I feel like I'm a sponsor now. I'm like a YouTube like sponsorship over here, but no, I'm not actually, uh, I've paid cash or Bitcoin for each of the things that I bought from them. I have not gotten anything for free. Um, but yeah, the, um, this is the, uh, this is the block clock. Pretty cool. It it tracks both the the Bitcoin to US dollar, um, but also uh, can act as like a clock. So that is super cool. But why don't we go back to the beginning? Like, yeah. who who are you? How'd you get into crypto? Uh, let's let's hear your story. Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm Paul Dietzel, right? I'm the CEO of Antidote, uh, and Antidote is an anagram for the word donate. So A N E D O T. If you rearrange the letters, it spells donate. Uh, the thought being that um, whenever I started Antidote in 2010, I couldn't go buy donate.com or give.com, right? That would have been way bigger than my bank account. And uh, I needed a word that I could easily trademark uh, and could easily buy the domain. And so I was like, wait, anecdote. Okay, that's that's a simple story. Like, you know, and uh, antidote is a cure. And so antidote was like, oh, wait, this is great. The, the, the anecdote is that it's the antidote for donations. And so then as an anagram for the word donate, like everything that antidote does centers around generosity, centers around donations. Awesome. Um, and so we, we not only serve organizations, um, you know, around the country, we also serve the donors. So we see that as like a multi, um, kind of multi, uh, relational, um, situation, I guess. Um, so we, we not only serve those organizations, but we also then try to serve the donor and, and kind of support the organizations using the platform by supporting their donors, right? Because we know that if we can help those donors have a good experience, that they're going to want to come back and be generous again and help those organizations again um, and support those organizations again. Um, and it, I found at least in Antidote, it's, it's kind of interesting that we're a very few times in life in business. Um, do you find that um, you know, most of the time right there, business, businesses want to sell you something, right. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Hey, we want you to buy as much as this as you can. Right. In in this kind of, uh, kind of relationship that we have with our customers, it's like, okay, we don't have any setup fees. We don't have any monthly fees. There's no fixed fees beyond like at all, like ongoing. Like, so if you don't use the platform, we don't charge you. Um, and so it's interesting, like our whole purpose and goal is to help uh, equip and enable organizations to raise as much money as they can, right? Or to collect as much money as they can, which the great news is all of our customers, I haven't met a single customer that's not like, 
I want to raise as much money as I can. Right. Like, so we're like, so we're like very much like aligned and like, we want to help our customers uh, raise as much money as they can uh, or enable them to raise as much money as they can as a software platform. Right. Um, Which then helps them fulfill their mission. Um, And so I started the company in 2010. It's been 13 years. Um, We've got, uh, customers in all 50 states. Um, we've we don't have any salespeople, so we've God's allowed us to serve more than 30,000 organizations, uh, billions of dollars, millions of uh, donors across 128 countries around the world. Wow. Uh, we we do not currently uh, offer crypto. Um, we are going to be adding uh, Bitcoin as a um, as a payment method, I guess you would call it, or mm-hmm. payment um, option. Um, we, whenever I set out kind of on that course of, of looking to add that to antidote, maybe, I guess it's probably been like nine months, 12 months, um, since I really started digging into it because I was focused on some other product, um, product things. Um, but really was looking and I was like, okay, well, you know, we, the regulation, as we kind of talked about, um, it's, it's uncertain right like there's a lot of things we what what is certain is we know that it's coming and and what what that looks like is uncertain and so uh, i know that at least as a company we've we've made the decision to to specifically focus on bitcoin um because we do see that as a um probably has less regulation coming than some of the others. Um, and also probably is, is easier to deal with for some of yeah. uh, the types of customers and donors that, that would donate on the platform. Um, I would say my personal journey with crypto, Web3, all the different um, kind of, um, I guess, buzzwords, right? <laughs> like, um, it really yeah, started- what is Web3? Should we define this first? Yeah, we might want to define it, right? So, like, I think Web3 um, in the most basic form, right, is, um, which I, I still, I'm not really on the Web3 camp at this point anymore. I, like, kind of was. And then I was like, you know, honestly, like, we just need to get the internet to how the internet was in, envisioned to be. <laughs> right, yeah. Right? Like, like call it Web3, call it Web4, call it WebX. Like, well, yeah. not WebX, but call it Web something, right? Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, we just need to make it, open and yeah. free and accessible um not necessarily free from a monetary standpoint because obviously if somebody's su- supplying the pipes to get you connected into that there is a a value that right. uh, that should be compensated for but um yeah I, like it's it's less centralization less control over the internet right yeah um and i think the initial challenge right now is that you try to go to a web three domain, unless you've gone into your brave browser or whatever, and right. enabled it, it's just going to fail. Right? right. So it's like, it's really hard to get, uh, get to some of those at the moment. Uh, but what would you say? Yeah. I mean, no, I, th- I agree with all that. I think like simply web three is the community coming together to just re recreate what we're already used to experiencing. So you know, we talk about decentralization. Right now, the internet exists through these massive centralized players, like right. e- every service that we use. Uh, and I think that's fine. I think you will continue to have big players in the space. Um, but what what does decentralization look like on top of that? Or what does what does a, a big organization? Um, you know, so I work at Compassion International, and what what does it look like? Uh, for a large uh, nonprofit to spin up 
uh, a DAO, Decentralized Autonomous Organization, in a specific region of the world because they, the, the participants over there understand what they need maybe better than we do. So what does that look like? So there's decentralization kind of under a larger support, you know, centralized umbrella. So I think there's a, a variety of ways it can look. But yeah, I mean, simply it's just what's exciting is, is the blockchain, like the underpinning technology. Right. Um, and the ability and I think that you were mentioning DAOs, right? Not to interrupt you. You're mentioning DAOs and this is for not not today's conversation. But there's some really interesting stuff even in real estate, right? Uh, with yeah. some of the, uh, you know, some of the the technology and the smart contracts and, and different things. Uh, some of it gets, some of it, you start falling down a rabbit hole, and you're like, oh wait a minute, I've, I've, now I have more questions than I have answers. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all really interesting. Um, I think we, yeah, I think DAOs are still like we're we're just scratching the the you know the top of the iceberg. Like we. I don't think anyone has solved like what a DAO, like a successful DAO actually looks like. Right. Um, but what is interesting is the blockchain, you know, it, like digital ownership hasn't been a thing outside of this, these centralized entities. Like, Hey, I go into my, my, uh, I boot up my Apple TV. I go see what movies we own. Right. But I can't move them to a different ecosystem. I have to watch them through Apple TV. And right. so what would it look like to have, similar setups but when i buy something in apple tv the the interoperability allows me to take that movie i own or the rights to watch that movie and maybe it's tokenized and take it to a different operating system and i can still prove that i own it because of the blockchain and i can watch right. it somewhere else and i think that's the promise of you know web3 the blockchain you know the internet built on the blockchain definitely yeah, that's, I mean, I think that one probably is one that hits home for a lot of people, right? Because uh, you have a few movies bought on Amazon Prime, right. you've got a whole <laughs> library on, on like, you know, even maybe from like, I think everybody lost all their iTunes movies, right? Because now it's on Apple TV and I'm not sure you can even like some of the old ones that were bought like 10 years ago, right? Um, kind of like just lost, right? And that's not even including all the DVDs that you bought that you right. should be able to get the digital version of, right? Right. <laughs> You're like, I've got this whole stack of DVDs. I'd like to watch those. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. So what, what was your, uh, what was your onboarding process? Like, was it Bitcoin? You know, that's how a lot of us kind of come to blockchain technology. Yeah. So I think me, you know, I, um, I actually started with just domains because mm. it was, easy. I just bought some domains. Right. And I, I, um, um, I picked up a number of domains and was like, yeah, whether or not this goes anywhere or whether it becomes valueless, at least I've, I've got the domain. Right? Are these ENS domains or um, unstoppable? Some, some, some ENS domains, some, um, on like unstoppable. Yeah. Um, so probably more on unstoppable than ENS. Um, I also like the fact that I could buy it once and now I own it rather than right. having to pay a license fee every right. year. Right. Um, ENS, like I'm like, okay, well, I'm still having to pay this fee every single year. Um, right. So it's a little bit less um, interesting to me because like, okay, let's say that, you know, half the world never adopts some of the different uh, domain services or whatever. Um, well, now you've got half the world that can't access your domain, right? But I mean, right. that said, you can, you know, with some of the stuff you can do with Cloudflare and some of the other services, right? You can always like 
kind of link it together for you know forward people or whatever but right um, that's kind of that was kind of the original start and then um with bitcoin i think i went from zero to like 100 in like a week Um, (laughs) so it was uh you know i went out i um i purchased a number of i purchased like a mini computer uh like a raspberry pi and, and a few different things and extra hard drives and you know, uh, my cold card and, and everything. And I think like once all that came in and once I started kind of like seeing, like digging into it, like locally and kind of watching it locally, that was whenever I think I really, um, I kind of, the light flicked for me, flicked Mm -hmm. on, um, watching it on exchanges and stuff. I'm like, this is really no different than me putting money, you know, in chase bank investments or whatever. Right. Because at the end of the day, if that bank tells me I can't withdraw my money, right? Right. like I can go to the ATM and they're like, nope, that's too much for today. Come back tomorrow. Right. 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 Which is the same with the exchanges, right? Like these centralized exchanges, like same challenge, right? You see that with the FTX collapses uh, and with some of the pre the ones after that BlockFi and and the different ones is that, you know, you have no recourse, right? You're like, oh, I wanted to, I want to withdraw my money. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't withdraw your money. Oh, okay. Um, and so I think that was really interesting for me. Um, and now I just make sure that anytime I, I, you know, on a centralized, uh, platform, I'm, I'm pushing over to my cold card or to my ledger, um, almost immediately. Yeah. Um, I keep, I keep some, uh, some crypto, uh, in, in strike and in, um, you know, different platforms just to make it easy to transact. Right. Um, but, but that's. I think that was kind of my, my entry point is the domains and then a uh, Bitcoin and then really as far as other cryptos, really only Ethereum and Polygon. Um, and that was mainly to achieve other things, right? It was to, mm-hmm. to get some of those domains that I needed those to be able to get those domains. So it was all, it's almost like a means to an end. Um, so I wasn't really uh, buying and holding or acquiring them as assets as much as I was, I was trying to get them as like a, a store of value that I could exchange for something else I was trying to get. Right. Um, whereas Bitcoin, I think Bitcoin, I've taken a different approach. Bitcoin, I really don't spend Bitcoin. I'm just like adding more to the pile. Right? Throttling, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and maybe, you know, maybe it ends up being nothing. Maybe it ends up being worthless and maybe it just goes to zero. like all the haters on some of the threads on Twitter. Um, but According to Kathy Wood, it's going to be a million dollars by 2030. So. Well, and according to, um, <laughs> uh, goodness, blanking out on his name out in, out in California, uh, he was saying that it, it's going to hit to like 250,000 in worth or whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah, I think that the, as far as Bitcoin, um, my, the way I see it is kind of like, okay, you know, I'm not moving my life savings and I'm not moving like all these things into Bitcoin, but I see it as it's just another way to diversify, uh, personally. Yeah. Um, I, I have a lot of friends that are Bitcoin maximalists. They do not use like us, <laughs> at all uh yeah. they use bitcoin and they they use like gift cards and stuff to operate in the real world um outside wow. of bitcoin. at so, least they're consistent um, right yeah i'm not i'm not there yet uh yeah. maybe one day um but my still my kids still need toys that cost us dollars <laughs> yeah i haven't i haven't uh walmart hasn't started accepting uh bitcoin yet so uh, but I did see I did see this morning on Twitter some uh, kind of some uh, screenshots of uh, for content creators on Twitter um, because I, I know you saw like a week or two or a few back you know after Elon Musk acquired Twitter like the immediate thought is oh right 
there's this huge captive audience right now. And, and, and he was part of the X.com team, part of the PayPal team, all of that, that like, okay, wow, you've got this massive user base, even if only a percentage of those people enabled it. Like if you flipped on the ability to, to buy Bitcoin, to send Bitcoin, all of that kind of stuff, that's huge. Yeah. Uh, that's huge. Cause like so many people that use Twitter are not necessarily people that are going to go out to, you know, a crypto exchange and have any idea what they're doing. Right. Um, or, or especially not um, having their own, uh, their own setup, right. Outside right. of a, an exchange. And so that, that'll be really interesting to see because if they enable that and they make it easy, um, that'd be, that's a massive amount of uh, market um, potential. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah. I, I think that's where he's going with it. Um, I mean, he's talked about, you know, the three uh, coins he believes in is like Bitcoin, Ethereum and Doge. And right. <laughs> I mean, just, just on the news of him buying Twitter, Dogecoin, like shot up, you know, like 15, 20%. Um, right. so yeah, I, I think that's, that's going to be super interesting. Uh, so what your CEO of Anadote, uh, how many people when they they look at the spelling of of Anadote say Anadot out of curiosity? Oh, I don't I, I don't know if there's like a percentage. I know a lot of people do. Um yeah. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with people calling us Anadot, Anadote. Um yeah. Anadote is the the appropriate name. Uh right. I do know that in offices across the country uh, there have been debate debates amongst office staff. <laughs> so half the staff calls it antidote, half the staff calls it antidote. So, um, but hey, the way I see it is that's uh, that's that's great branding, right? It's just built-in discussion points that people can. As long as Absolutely. they're talking, about, as long as they're talking about us, they can call us what they want to call us. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's you think of like you know car companies. You know, I grew up my whole life saying Porsche. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm 99 sure now. I'm not even 100, but it's Porsche or right. or you know Jag Jaguar, which is how like Americans Canadians say it, where the the Brits would say Jaguar, and you know so there's there's these ways there yeah, and I think it's I it's probably you know partly that, but um, so um, you mentioned that antidote in the future may be accepting Bitcoin as as a payment uh method is that how is that going to look is there is there is it immediately like hey i want to donate uh to whatever nonprofit i'm going to donate bitcoin does it immediately convert to fiat does this nonprofit have an ability to custody it as bitcoin and convert it or send it to their own wallet what, what's that going to look like yeah, so the the immediate release will look like um, customers being able to convert it immediately to fiat. Um, but the the goal then is to as as more people become educated on it, right? Because the last thing you want to do is like have somebody like convert it and then be like, oh wait, oops, I lost. Right. It. Like, I don't know where it is, right? Um, and so I think like as we we are able to to kind of build out education around it and make it easy um, for nonprofits, for ministries, for churches, for these organizations. Um, that may or may not have, um, you know, a lot of uh, technical sophistication uh, and knowledge around the topic. Um, I think as we build out that education, then the goal is is that we we kind of provide two options where you can either um, ha- you can either use our kind of custodial um, 
um, kind of wallet, I guess you would say, or you could also push it immediately off to um, your own kind of uh, cold storage somewhere. Right. Um, the goal being though, similar to with, with all funds with Antidote is we won't let people, we wouldn't, uh, we don't plan to let people um, keep it uh, in a, um, you know, with Antidote for more than right. like 30 days. Like, so we'll force people to push it off of Antidote within 30 days. And if they don't push it off Antidote within 30 days, then we would convert it uh, to fiat and and pass it through like all other transactions. So that's right. kind of the, it kind of gives the best of both worlds, right? Because what we don't want to have is we don't want to to be uh, to be a fiduciary uh, holder of uh, you know of these of these assets um, that uh, could be um, you know that regulators or somebody else could come to us and and demand that we hand it over. Right. Uh, we would rather that be the responsibility of the customer, so that we're not playing middleman. Uh, you know, we're we're not too fond of of middlemen. Uh, and you know we're <laughs> continually looking to cut out uh, points of failure in the system, yeah. and so our goal is to make it as um, you know from point A to from the donor to the organization um, as as direct as we possibly can make it um, without without really much in the in the in the middle or in between. And so yeah, that's kind of that's the way we're looking at it. The initial um, kind of look would be to uh, immediately convert it to fiat, let it pay out with their Amex, Visa, Mastercard, Apple Pay, Google Pay, PayPal, all the other different payment methods. Um, but then over time, the goal would be to uh, not only allow you to keep that, um, you know, that asset, that Bitcoin, uh, and push it over to a, a cold storage, but to also or a custodial kind of setup. Uh, but also to convert the rest of your balance into that as well. So let's say you, you're starting to process like American Express and a Visa, yeah. you know, debit cards, credit cards, whatever, um, that you would not only be able to keep your Bitcoin in Bitcoin or your uh, that you would also be able to convert that other uh, cash into Bitcoin, uh, into your custodial setup. Um, so that, wow. to me, that to me becomes really interesting, especially yeah. for organizations that are multinational. Um, and that have, um, you know, setups all around the world, uh, because that becomes really, uh, really interesting, right? If you can convert that, um, and, and then can push that out around the world to your other chapters or, or, you know, member organizations, stuff like that. And then they can off ramp it right in their currency locally, um, hmm. without, without having to go through the, you know, the multi, um, multi jurisdiction, multi jurisdictional hop effectively. Right. Yeah, and all the fees that happen with exchange rates and wire transfers internationally, and all, and like the time, like, hey, you know, I'm calling the bank again. Like, is it there yet? Right. We're still waiting for it. And like, right. yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, because the nice thing too, right, is uh, as you've probably seen uh, online, right, is one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not changing. <laughs> right. It's one Bitcoin. Right. Like, yeah. So whether you're in Europe, you know, or you're in Australia or you're in the United States, one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Um, and I think that's where it becomes really interesting, right? Is not only can it be almost instantaneous, uh, it can be very inexpensive. Hmm. And uh, especially with all the, the you know, with lightning, right? I haven't yep. fully gone down that rabbit hole. I mean, I, I, I really appreciate it. And I've read uh, the, the specs and everything, but I do not run my own lightning node. Uh, I, that, I think that takes a little bit more finesse of being able to balance um, and keep keep it in ba keep everything in balance, right? Hmm. But uh, that technology is great, and I think it's uh, with stuff like that, it'll make it even easier um, for those movements to happen. Actually, I had a dream um, 
a few weeks ago uh, about um, about kind of like uh, decentralization um, and was thinking because I was like, and I guess it was because I was um, I was kind of telling some people about setting up their own Bitcoin node and like the benefits and like why you would want to do that rather than connecting to a third party to, to, you know, write those transactions and sync that to the blockchain. And I started thinking, I was like, wow, like in, in kind of the way the world is and, and where we are, especially with ministries and, and churches and um, organizations that uh, a lot of the big institutions uh, don't necessarily agree with that worldview. Right. Right. Um, and I started thinking, I was like, wow, that'd be a really interesting idea if we, um, kind of made it easy for people. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, packaged almost like little nodes. Right. And we're like, Hey, look, we're going to ship one to wow. this, this nonprofit, this church, this whatever. Um, and, and like make it in such a way that, you know, when you then start accepting donations, right. Um, wow. you're not necessarily connecting to an AWS Right. Effectively an AWS node somewhere, right? You're connecting to maybe like a peer a mm. church or ministry or nonprofit or whatever around the corner. Now, it goes back to what you were saying about on-ramps and off-ramps, right? At some point, it will have to come back through our on-ramp or off-ramp to get it to your bank account. But the intermediary piece of the actual movement of money um, could very well be decentralized and can wow. be could be powered by the network of thousands and thousands of churches around the, the country, ministries around the world, which could then help move money instantly. Um, and then, you know, through partner, you know, connections and networks around the world, local, local on-ramps, off-ramps could help get it into your currency, right? Wow. I mean, for those that aren't familiar with running a Bitcoin node, what's that, what's entailed in that? Uh, and then what's that look like for Antidote, like helping in this way? Yeah. So I think like, so effectively what happens with the node is that in a, in a traditional setup, right. Uh, and I, this is like almost speaking to blockchain as well, right. At the same time. Right. But in a traditional setup, right. Like if I go and, uh, and actually I'm going to quote a uh, chat GPT, right. So like explain it to me, like I'm five, I think you might've yeah. posted that the other yeah. day, right. Like it's like, okay, think that you have a book, right. And you have a group of friends and you all have toys and you want to swap those toys, right? So you write down in there, in that one book, like who has what toy and you keep that. Okay, so now with the blockchain, right? You're now, now you have five of that exact same book and it automatically updates as you as you change toys and all this stuff. Uh, and then like, and that stays in sync and there's no way to delete those previous records after they've already been, it's immutable, right? Um, and so I think it's it becomes interesting with the nodes is that, in a traditional setup, though, whether it's one book or five books, that's all controlled by Amazon or Linode or Microsoft or whoever, right? Um, whereas in the kind of the the decentralized, um, distributed kind of um, more custodial, I guess, uh, sovereign approach is that you like each person as a part of the network. It, they can run their own computer, small computer, that basically downloads an entire copy of the blockchain history, so that as as transactions are signed, you know my node is like, okay, here's a transaction. Well, that then connects to peer nodes, peer computers, uh, and validates. Okay, now there's more, and, and so the more nodes that sign off on that, the more books that have it written in it the more that it, that becomes validated and validated and validated. Right. And when, and kind of the, the really cool thing about it is that, 
um, if it's kind of built in too, right? That if somebody's trying to game it, then right. uh, all of these independent nodes are are validating this and they're like, well, no, that that's not good. And so it doesn't, you know, now obviously there are, um, you know, topics and in, in, in theoretical ways for that to be uh, brute force or, or cha- I guess competed right. with or whatever you want to say. But um, I think the technology is really interesting. And so I think from a, from an antidote trying to help organizations kind of run their own nodes and stuff like that, I think it's kind of twofold. One, we'd love to see each of our customers running their own Bitcoin nodes, right? Uh, just for both for privacy, for security and different, different kind of aspects of running, running your own node itself. Um, but two, kind of piggybacking on that, um, that node or that computer is uh, running kind of a, a parallel uh, chain for generosity, right? Mm. For for donations specifically, um, and keeping that uh, keeping that ledger distributed, uh, not not with Antidote as the central authority and primary and only source, right? Or only kind of source of truth, but having all customers that are connected that uh, you know that in a decentralized, encrypted, secure, um, seamless way. Um, is continually like uh, I'm making a donation, right? And then it it automatically distributes out through all the the network. Um, that that to me is really interesting uh, from a uh, both from a from just an interesting standpoint, but also too from a uh, a standpoint of that you know with all the world and and with people, you know, the political environment is so heightened and uh, people having such strong uh, views against, especially, you know, Christianity and, uh, and things like that, it's, it becomes really interesting because if the network is controlled by the network, right. If the, if it, if the, if the system is controlled by the network, it makes it much more resilient to, uh, being blocked, suppressed, uh, or whatever. Yeah. What, what do you think is the value of, and you've you've touched on this, but what is the value of nonprofits, NGOs actually considering Bitcoin, considering some of these blockchain technologies? Yeah, I think that it's the way that I look at it, right, is that when you're an organization that's trying to raise money and collect donations from people, you want to make it as easy as possible for them to donate in whatever way that they want to donate. And I think that, you know, there's a growing uh I guess, group of people globally, right, mm-hmm. that want to be able to donate in a more, um, you know, in a, in a faster, less fee-ridden, uh, less um, centrally controlled way, right? Because um, I think you're seeing more and more that um, organizations and individuals are telling people what they can and can't do with their own money that they have made. Right. And it's like, wait, this is my money. I should be able to do with it, whatever I want to do with it. I mean, obviously don't fund terrorists and don't like hurt people. Right. (laughs) But like, besides the, besides the things that I would assume are obvious to all people globally, besides the terrorist, um, like besides those things, right. Like people should be able to do what they want to do with their money, send it to who they want to do it, support who they want to support what organizations they want to. I think that the interesting thing and kind of the cool thing to stay ahead of is that uh, with 
um, with blockchain technology, with with Bitcoin, with with all these different things. Um, I think that it, it kind of gives organizations um, even more flexibility and control, right? Because like you wouldn't even necessarily need antidote, right? Like an organization like Compassion, Compassion could set up your own node in the office and could set up, you know, BTC pay uh, and yeah. start accepting it without any third party at all. Yeah. Um, and I think well, that's here, let, the really cool thing about it. You know, I think with with all nonprofits, NGOs, they all tend to lean more fiscally conservative and like rightfully so. Right. Like that, that's that's OK. Um, I think the challenge that we'll have, though, is is helping to see some of the value of, of you know, Bitcoin and, and these kind of more volatile assets. Um yeah, I mean, how do you think through that? Like, and I know you wouldn't just, you know, it's not like you're going to force your 50,000 customers that you have or whatever the number is. Like, like you all need to accept Bitcoin because this is the future. The future is decentralized, permissionless, you know. Um, but so, yeah, how does that look? How, how do you wrestle through that? What's the education process there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it all goes back to choice, right? We're all about giving people choices. Uh, we're all about, that's why we have so many integrations, even with competitors is we're like, Hey, mm. look, like we just want to be able to, to provide the best tools and, uh, options uh, for organizations, um, out there. Right. And so if somebody wants to use Bitcoin, great. If somebody doesn't want to use Bitcoin, great. If somebody wants to connect to BlackBot, great. If, uh, <laughs> either way we have a great we have a great integration there right like um but uh you know i say that knowing that they're like a very massive public company um right. but anyway um yeah no like i think the thing is is if you if you want to do any of these things right like we want to to equip and enable uh customers to be able to do those things and so i think that um with bitcoin for us you know i think it's about it's it's always been about um, loving and serving our customers, educating mm. our customers of what we feel might be the best approach. Um, but also knowing that not organ, not, not all organizations are the same. No organization is the same realistically. And so kind of our focus and goal is just educating people and, and showing them the benefits of things and then letting them kind of embrace it. But I think to take that one step further mm. is it's not, it's not enough to just educate somebody on it, right? Because I can go out and explain blockchain all day, explain how to run your own node right. all day, and full well know that even somebody that buys into it in their brain yeah. isn't going to go buy the heart, like go buy a you know Raspberry Pi or something like that and run their own node, right? Like right. I have to like literally send them that and be like, just plug this in, right? <laughs> like, connect it to the internet and it'll just take care of it, right? Right. Um, and so I think that'll be... I think that'll be where the rubber meets the road is um, not only providing that education, but making it seamless and easy, making it plug and play to where anybody can do it. Um, and as long as they conceptually kind of understand that, um, you know, that it, we would provide like a, a plug and play way for them to to be able right. to, to get set up and going. Yeah, I think it really comes down to like people, people aren't going to be thinking like when, when someone loads up Facebook and they log in and they're like commenting on their friends, you know, posts, they're not thinking through like all of the underpinning technology that is making that happen. 
They're not thinking where that picture is hosted. They're not thinking through any of these things. And so I like mass adoption will come when it's just like things are easier. And I think things, you know, things are easier and people like that. They don't know why it's just like, it's easier. This is better. Like, obviously I'm going to do it this way. Um, but then I think where Bitcoin and blockchain come in really, uh, strong is like, it's, uh, when we think of the next generation, the next generation wants to see that their money that they're giving has impact. But it's not enough for them just to say, all right, here, big corporation, big non-NGO, um, take my money and I trust you. Like they want to actually see that. And so the transparency layer that the blockchain provides, I think is really interesting. And I think we we haven't really seen this yet, but I would love to see nonprofits um somehow enable just a deeper level of transparency not you know sure you have your annual audit that is posted in your report but what what does like uh what does like transparent giving look like where you can actually see the impact that your dollar is having like because it's all on chain like i think that's really interesting and i think that's one way we're going to actually motivate and encourage and incentivize the next generation to um to give like there it's not enough for them just to give and forget like they want to see that their donations having impact yeah and i think that also is a really interesting point too like we also work in we also uh have political customers right uh, and think how interesting that right. would be uh, like on the blockchain like somebody donates right like that's on the blockchain right like and it's immediately available and visible worldwide um, not having to wait for the end of quarter filings to be able to see i mean you could still wait for the end of quarter filings like you wait to the end of your uh, audit for nonprofits, right? But uh, that you could see all that uh, in real time uh, right. and, and public on that public ledger. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's a different type of transparency because audits, reports, and you're not like going to see still... names, right? Like you're not going to see names, you're not going to see addresses and phone numbers and stuff like that. But you would see like what's happening, right? Like right. Um, so there's different protocols too. You know, one of them is, and I haven't dug too deep into this, but I've heard of, uh, there's something called secret protocol. And I think it's like an Ethereum based, uh, token. It, it may even not be, but I'll, I do know that you can encrypt certain parts of your, uh, you know, your smart contract or the things that are happening on chain. So you might choose to encrypt, you know, names and addresses, um, but you choose not to encrypt other things to see like, hey, the funds that you sent to this organization, yeah, we and we've said that 80% of the funds will go to Haiti to help with earthquake, you know, disaster relief. You can actually see the 80% go to a wallet that is custodied in Haiti and, you know, they're using the funds and you can track that there. So, I mean, like that's that's an interesting future use case. We're not quite there, but I do think there is right. something. Yeah, I there. think once it gets easier, I think right now it'd be it'd be over over the heads of a lot of people, um, and yeah. it would be hard to to understand and uh, for people to to appreciate in many ways. Yeah, um, it's an an accessibility UI UX issue that we we right. face. Yeah, I mean, speaking of decentralization, it's not about generosity, but it's just in general, right? Is um, kind of peer to peer stuff. Uh, I don't know mm. if you followed much on that side, but there's a, there's a tool, um, called Keet, K E E T dot I O that, okay. uh, that it's peer to peer, right? So it's actually really cool. It's mm. like, 
instead of using zoom right now, I know we're on zoom, but like you could actually use Keet and it's peer to peer. So directly you connect between oh, that's cool. two peers. And so it's run by the, the, I guess the team at hole punch and they're basically building tool, like build, they're building kind of the infrastructure and the platform kind of technology to allow um, people to build uh, effectively serverless um, apps to build wow. where peer to peer. So instead of connecting to some server, you're connecting directly to uh, that other person that you're, you know, right. Coordinating it's like a or whatever. Yeah, that's amazing. That is uh, that is the future. We need we need a a key solution for like Discord to have like a a decentralized Discord or, or where communities can come together, you know, around a set of values, and they can you know communicate and and uh, yeah. I mean, that is the blockchain is like it pro decentralization is is peer to peer. It it goes back to like you know LimeWire and, and Napster. Uh, right. <laughs> which is exactly it's yeah kind of interesting um yeah that's actually how i was kind of explaining it to my wife the other day i was like you remember like limewire and where you would connect <laughs> to like peers right effectively right yeah uh, it's very similar to that um, yeah you had different. to hope when you were like trying to get some music you had to hope other people were also online that had that music that were willing to upload because i remember like uploading was painful back then because it was slow down your download rate right um at least for me and my internet in Canada. But <laughs> um, that's cool. Well, I appreciate your time. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Have a great week. Be blessed. Yeah, you too. Merry Christmas. Hey, you as well. Bye-bye.